Hey, dog. Hello, Karen. We're, Hello, listeners. We're back on the block, like back on the block. We haven't yeah, been on the block in a few weeks. On the block. And I know it's been a couple weeks since uh, we last visited the block, but I'm also a little bit glad that we're able to stretch these episodes out because this season to me remains the high point. And so I do kind of want to make it last as long as we can. See, it's funny. You're calling this the high point. I'm feeling it's the low point. I'm kind of like gunning for bring Lisa Rena on. Rena. Oh my goodness. I uh, let's so okay, this is what I think in general. I think season three is the best. I think what we're building up to is amazing. But the way I remembered it, I thought these episodes individually were all a little bit better than they are. Like I'm remembering the story arcs. And now that I'm rewatching it, I'm like, but from week to week, they were giving us a bunch of stupid, incoherent episodes. Right. Okay. I can see this. So, like, I get, like, where the arc is sort of like, you're like, oh, my God. Because we know she blows up the apartment complex. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Right? right. But you, the path to that is a little painful. Yeah. And I didn't remember it being that way. But the other thing I'll say is episodes are going to get more painful starting soon. So, and that's, season four is before Lisa Rinna joins, and so maybe we'll find that there's, like, a resurgence in season five, but I know that season four is really kind of, like, almost a jump-the-shark season. So, I cringe when I think of some of the episodes I know that are to come, and that's why I still sort of embrace the ones we're watching now. That's why we're slowing things down. But episode to episode, I could see being dissatisfied. Okay. So we're at season three, episode 27, A Horse by Any Other Name. I know. The, the season is endless. How many more do we have to go? I keep saying five more, four more. It's <laughs> got to be around that. We're almost done. We're I almost promise. done. I promise. Um, I think, is it episode 28, not 27? No, I have 27. Then I think we have four more. Okay. I think we have three more, but that might include, like, two parts for the, the two-hour finale. Oh, we had a two-hour finale. Well, of course we had a two-hour finale. Oh, my God. If you don't like the finale... Well, okay, so so this episode, I felt we had good news and we had bad news. And the good news is it looks like Michael may have finally moved on from Amanda. Um, yeah, but it's messy, right? Because the very first scene, and I think maybe we should mostly just plow, like through the episode, like, scene by scene. We have Michael confronting Amanda about her restraining order. And, first of all, she's like, it's a 300-foot restraining order, and you're violating it by half. I'm like, well, he's not 150 feet away from me. He's, like, 15 feet away from you. <laughs> um, uh, but we end that scene, the cold open, before we go to the credits, and it's basically, it looks like they're setting up a big Michael-Amanda confrontation or rivalry or something or revenge scheme. And that's not going to be it. We've, like, pretty much put that final nail in the stupid-ass story coffin. We don't even need it. But then Michael's, like, all over the place with other stories. Yeah. I mean, Michael was sort of, like, this was, like, Michael's schizophrenic episode. So, like, I mean, this was it, like, between Michael and Amanda. And once again, this is how they're botching this whole relationship, right? Is, like, okay, fine. Amanda has the restraining order. And they just seemed to, like okay, they're going to leave it alone. And Michael is now moving on. Right. You know, and 
why bother? I mean, you know, particularly in the episode, it just was like, you know, Michael moved on in the episode. So even if they bring it back next week, next week in the next episode, or even the episode afterwards, it's like, to me, that's a fail because there's no consistency. Right. There's no consistency. And ultimately, as we've said, no payoff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, I don't even give a shit about these two. Right. Let's just make this like, like, leave it alone. Make it over. Yeah. And I don't know if you think about it and in terms of a soap, which is basically do whatever you want with the stories, but they should be governed by like relationships. Amanda's had a very weird season since like breaking up with Jake in season two. She had a relationship with Peter, which was ultimately a setup just for a big betrayal and fall. And then she had the weird up-and-down cancer storyline that involved Michael that never actually got romantic and really fizzled out at the end. So I think, in a sense, the show has really done Amanda a dirty in season three. I completely agree with that. And, you know, okay, so here's where they set this up in this scene where they're having this fight and, and Michael's basically like, I saved you, and then he... and and. And he calls her snake venom or something like that. And he yeah. says, I should have let you die. And she was, and she said something like better luck next time. And he was like, Oh, there'll be a next time. So I don't know. Like, next time. Oh, I, are they setting this up for him to like make threats and he's going to try and kill her or is she going to get cancer? Like, I'm like, what, what was the point of even having that? If they're not going to push forward it, with it, you know, I, I think it's just making Michael look petty. I mean, this, doesn't foreshadow other big things at all. but And it's also, they keep reframing her illness and how she, because I don't even remember, like, like when she got her clean bill of health, it was so convoluted. And it was like, she basically just had a fever and then was fine after everything. So this like random team of doctors they referred to, I'm like, it's also murky and stupid that I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, we don't care care about Amanda and her cancer but she's fine now she's she's fine and in the workplace back with a vengeance which is uh for me one of the big cruxes of this episode this was the this was sort of like that was like the best part of the episode was the whole D&D stuff yeah which you know for me is bittersweet but we'll get to that can we just talk for a second about how there was a lot of champagne flowing in this episode um yes I love how you ask for permission to talk in your own podcast yeah <laughs> Yeah, there was there was a lot of champagne. That's all I'm just. That's all I had to say. I, it was just uh, something that I noticed. It was like, wow, there was a lot of champagne flowing. Yeah, and something that I may have mentioned before, probably not. That's like neither here nor there. Is so you know how they've made changes to the the Hulu version of Melrose from when it originally ran. Like all of the music has been replaced by like really crappy third tier '90s stuff. Well, they used to do this thing where at the end of every segment of the episode, they would then do this, like, slow-mo dissolve. They would take, like, a frame from, like, the, the scene right before the show went to commercial, and they would do, like, like odd, like, black and bluish colors, just, like, a couple seconds in slow-mo, sort of, like, highlighting, like, the most dramatic moment of that scene, and it was usually, like, 
someone kissing someone, someone yelling at someone, someone pushing someone. Um, and I loved it. I thought that was so much fun to watch. And they had started doing that in season three in real time back in the 90s. And I miss that, that that's no longer a part of these, um, the syndicated stuff that we're watching now. I wonder why. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, and, and one of the reasons that was just triggered for me is the there's a scene with Amanda and Brooke popping a bottle of champagne, and that was one of the scenes that, that they had showed. Oh, and it was memorable. So, alas. 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 Okay, so we've, we're done with Michael and Amanda for the entire episode. Maybe not forever, but definitely for the episode. But now Joe is having a crisis of conscience. Um, and not just her conscience. I yeah. mean, you know, just because she slept with, with Jess. Because she slept with Jess. So I guess whatever, like, wall-making out session they were having in the alley behind the bar led to other things in the alley behind the bar, which is really kind of Ouch. gross when you think about it. Um, oh, can we just say, I just want to say, Joe was finally wearing an edgy outfit again. Oh, that's true. She was. Yeah, yeah. So, so two thumbs up for Joe's outfit. In general, I think we've noticed the styles have changed on the show. We had a lot of like these monochromatic, like uh, business suits that the women are wearing, and a lot of like the crushed velvet and flowy dresses seem to be gone. Yeah, thank God. And I'm hoping that also means we'll have less baggy pants for Jake soon. Mm, I hope so. I mean, why do they put him in those? Like, just put him in a pair of Levi's. I know. He's got the ass for it. Anyway, he does. He does. That's, that's, that's my contribution. He does. Okay. So, basically, I mean, again, like, these are sort of, like, these weird fillery things. Like, when Joe, show, Joe goes knock, knock, knocking on Jake's door to tell Jess that she feels awkward about what happened between them and her situation well, with Jake. While Jake is showering yeah. in the apartment. And he comes out in a towel. Maybe it was all just so we could see his pecs. Oh, yeah. That's 100% why. And so it was like, let me make coffee. Let me get dressed and make coffee. And she's like, no, I gotta go. Because she so, feels so embarrassed and awkward about what happened. Right. Which, she shouldn't feel embarrassed. She should feel stupid. Well, I, I mean, she should, I don't know. I mean, she should have never done it in the first place because... No no good can come from this. No good can come from this. And she clearly loves Jake, even though he kind of messed with her a bit when they hooked up, when they were up in Washington, because he was like, I don't, I'm not ready for anything more. But it's like, you two should be together. Just be together. Why is it so difficult? But anyway... Because it's Melrose Place. That's often going to be the answer. That is often going to be our explanation. Because, <laughs> because it's Melrose Place. Because. So meanwhile, over at D&D, Allison's yelling at people again. Yeah, yeah. Accounts are going awry yet again. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, she's yelling at Amanda. Amanda throws Brooke under the bus, but I guess that's what she's supposed to do. Yeah, it's like, you know, fake throwing Brooke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so basically, who, what Glorious Gowns account is like, is like hanging by a thread. And yes. they have to make good on the bridal, the next bridal magazine issue because it's the big one. Um, and so don't fuck it up, Allison. Right. Um she's gonna fuck it up she's gonna fuck it up so so she's basically on the warpath and screaming at everyone and billy pulls her into the office and is like what's uh, up with you 
And she ad- she admits that the board has said that they don't have confidence in her, and she basically has one shot to turn everything around, or she's going to be out. Right, which is great and a good way to finally move this story along. But she confides this into Billy, and I remember thinking, that's the scene we should have seen. We should have watched them call Allison into a room and say, you've done this, 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 and this. You're on thin ice. Not just have it weighing on Allison and she confides in Billy. Because that's actually a more dramatically compelling scene. I agree. Make it a short one, but do it. I agree. I agree. I think it, I think that would have been way more interesting. And, like, yeah, you know, they can bring those actors in. They were, they were at the end of the episode anyway. Oh, you got them for the day. You might as well use them twice and give them a change of costume. Exactly. So, um, but no, we, we hear the second hand. Right. And it's not the last time we'll hear it because we got a game of telephone going on. Oh, yes, we do. But before we get to the telephone, we're going to go to the hospital. <laughs> yes. Where Michael is accosted by Sid. Again, where are we going with this, guys? I don't even, I'm like, here comes Sydney and her Chanel suit she's all she's the businesswoman now you know yes who is now the great entrepreneur of a time yes. and um and and she she comes in and she tells michael about how she bailed out jane with his money and and she wants to push jane out of mancini designs great so who's going to design this shit but okay um and and it was just like this weird like i'm going to make you dinner tonight michael at the beach yeah. house and he's like no i can't stand you and then he's like okay, fine, I'm hungry. I'm like, what the hell? Right, and they have this whole, yep, I'll be making food at eight. He goes, I'll get there at nine. And it's like, oh, Michael, you're such a card. I, and I'm like, oh. like, you know what? I found this banter completely lacking in their chemistry. Yes, I agree. There's, I agree. You, can, you can make Michael a cad, you can make Michael a snake, and that's great. And he and Thomas Calabro has always played it so well. But don't just make him a brat. Also, like with Amanda, don't make him an actual threat. Yeah. There's a middle ground. And he plays that so well. Keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, writers. Do better. Do better. Do better. So, meanwhile, we go back to the weird camp. Yeah, where I really thought we had... It was a one and done. But as Alyssa said, I guess when you have a big get like Mackenzie Phillips, you want to use it in as many episodes as you can. I know, but she didn't do anything. No, there was nothing. They didn't use her. They they t- they have Mackenzie Phillips. And how many episodes at this point now? Is she in three? I think it's two. It's two. Okay. So we have Mackenzie Phillips. They played up the get, right? At the time. Yeah. And, and, they've, and yeah. she is so underutilized. It's true. I don't know why. You know, like, could we have had some, like, moments between her and um, and Kimberly where, I don't know, I mean, maybe they could, maybe they could, like, join forces and be crazy together or, or, or have more sniping back and forth. Like, these women were camping. Like, can't you, can't, like, they would have these, you know, sort of private moments where they could try and undo each other in the middle of the night or, you know, like, there's so much more that could have happened here and it just didn't. Yeah. So basically, Kimberly's still fucking with Mackenzie Phillips in, like, these sort of, like, you know, one-on-one grappling games that they're doing. 
I, and we get the message. Kimberly is tough and crazy. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wish they would use do another thing to drive that home instead of just this weird, like, combat. It was like, and, and did you notice, and this really bothered me, all of the other women had their sweatshirts on, <laughs> except for Kimberly, who was there with, like, guns out. You know, yeah. guns out, guns out. She's got, like, her sleeveless T-shirt. And everybody else had their sweatshirts on. And I'm yeah, like, what I is did. going on here? That that costuming choice made me crazy. Um, so then the 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 leader guy of the group, what age I should say? Yes. Who was who was it? He was like a big deal go to actor in the eighties and nineties named Harrison Page. Okay. So he was in his own right not. It wasn't a coup to get him, but. But he had been an Emmy-nominated actor just prior to that season. So, so you know, Melrose was spreading its wings a little, we can say. Mm, yeah, too bad they didn't use him more. Um, so, like, yeah. you know, so he's like, I'm going to demo a chokehold, which they never did a chokehold. But anyway, she basically breaks his arm, Kimberly. Yeah. He, he picks yeah. Kimberly to demo, and I guess he was a little too forceful with her. It looks like he pushed her into the ground a little hard, and she got mad, so she broke his arm. Right. So, okay, again, we get it. Kimberly is unstable. Right, and angry. We, yeah. And strong. Right. And strong. So... Right. Yeah, well, I guess where are we going next? Beach House. Oh, yeah, let's, yeah, we should go to the dinner with Michael and Sid. Yeah, Sid Sid makes Michael dinner, and my note says, what the hell is going on in this scene? Yeah, fair. Okay, can you explain it? So, this is like maybe the last thing I can explain about Sid for this episode. Um, <laughs> they have this weird like flirty thing where she talks about how they should team up again and they were so great together and Michael's like I don't know if you remember but we weren't actually that happy the first time around and she's like basically like we will be now and one thing leads to another and they're in bed again yeah it, it was really strange it, it, it made no sense to me and I was like I knew that it was all gonna lead to something but like it basically led to like or I knew it was going to lead to them being in bed, but it made no sense while it was happening. Right, right. So that's that. But we're going to go to Shooters now. We're going to see Jane. We're going to see Jane for the first time in a while. With Jane? Yeah, we haven't seen her in a while. I was trying to think. Did we see her in like one scene in the last episode? I feel like no. I feel like I feel, I feel like we haven't seen her in ages. I feel like it was either last time or the week before where Sid basically moved in on her. At, oh, see. that's right. Was it the last episode or the episode before that? I can't remember which one. I want to say it was the last one. But either way, I think she was in, like, one scene. Yeah. So enough to pout. So she's with Joe at Shooters and um, sort of, like, moaning about Sid and the biz. And then Joe tells Jane about Jess. And... Yeah. That was yeah, kind of Joe's, the catch up. Yeah, Joe's like, yeah, there's a guy, I'm into him. And Jane's like, oh, that's great. Who is he? And Joe's like, well, and she looks right over at Jess bussing a table. Yeah, and Jane was basically like, you probably oh. want to keep that to yourself. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, really? And in shooters, you say this? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so Jane speaks uh, speaks truth and tells Joe to keep it to herself because Jake will not be happy. Right. So we're going to go back to the beach house with Sid and Michael in bed. They have done the deed. Yep. Um, and she leaves because she has to get up early the next morning because she has major meetings. Yes. But not yeah. before writing him a check. Yeah. So basically, now, Sid is going to help Michael pay his rent because Kimberly is no longer covering half the rent. Yeah, I really don't understand I don't either. how this house works. I don't either. Okay, so here's the thing. Michael is a doctor. He's got to be making bucks. How can yeah. he not afford the beach house? And if he can't afford it, why does he want to stay there? Malibu's a hall from L.A. Yeah. Like, why, from Wilshire Memorial, like, why doesn't he just move closer? He could move to Santa Monica. Might be a little cheaper there. Um, you know, he'll still be on the beach. Yeah, it's true. Better commute. Yeah, I mean, think of those hours he must be working. He could go back to Melrose Place, although at this point he's probably persona non grata there, and I can't imagine Amanda renting him an apartment. Oh, and there's the restraining order, so he can't. Um, and is he paying Jane alimony? I don't know. I thought he had to be. I mean, he must be because she's clearly able to pay her rent. Amanda hasn't, like, busted her balls about it. So, I, I guess. And, like, I don't think Jane's making, you know, Jane lost a lot of money with that crooked Australian guy. Yeah. So, I guess, I, I maybe the alimony is floating. I just don't understand why Michael's always so broke. No, but the money thing on the show is always very murky because no one is really like on equal footing with anyone else. Right. Like Billy and Allison really aren't making the same kind of money that Michael is, but like Jake and Joe are also not making the same kind of money that Billy and Allison are. So I don't know. Right. Makes no sense. Anyway, so basically we've learned that now Michael is going to be a kept man and he will be kept by Sid. Yeah. How's that for turnaround? <laughs> How do you like them apples? <laughs> Speaking of wealthy women, um, Bill, Billy is at Brooks' pad. Daddy's away. They're <laughs> drinking champagne in a bubble bath. Yeah. And so, here's the champagne, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 she's. Crying about Allison to Billy, who, you know, how, how she's worried for her and, and she's so mean and what's going on and I feel bad and things aren't working out. And Billy basically betrays Allison's confidence. Yes. Not even like a full segment later has he already opened up his trap. And said that she's in trouble with the board. Yeah. So we know that information isn't staying with Brooke. Nope, even though he says, this is like, I'm telling you this in confidence, because Allison told me in confidence, and thus begins our game of telephone. Exactly. Although, I guess, in fairness, it's not really telephone, because the message never gets muddled. Everyone is like, yeah, Allison's fucked. Yeah, basically, it's, yeah. It's clear, yeah. <laughs> and let, and let's, let's, let, let's fuck her even harder, faster. Right. You know, that's yeah. sort of like the, the bulk of the, this situation. Yeah. So, so that was the scene to sort of set that up. And then we go back to the camp, where... Kimberly gets kicked out. Yeah, it's well, this, they open on the scene, and it's like, after what she pulled, Kimberly's still there, 
And then it's basically the guy with the broken arm is like, we think you have already mastered your training and you can leave. And it's like, oh, well, okay. But Girl, Kimberly bye. doesn't want to leave, but he's got like the girl gang behind him. Right. You know, like, like she can't take all of them on. Uh, not yet, at least. Yeah. No. And so that's the end of Mackenzie Phillips, I guess, right? I, that's it. Useless. One and done. Jesus. Yeah. Well, two and done, but Two really. and done, but still, you know, you get the idea. So when we get to, when we get to D&D now, Brooke is using the information she got from Billy. She tells Amanda about the board. And so Amanda starts messing with the Gloria, Glorious Gowns account. And she calls up the printer and she says, oh, we don't have a deadline anymore. We have two weeks. And so she's going to, and then, but then she gets another printer involved because it looks like she's going to sabotage Allison's work on the campaign. And she is going to come in and be you know, sort of the knight on shining armor, yeah. well, a horse by any other name. Um, and, and, and save the account. That's what right. I assume we're leading up to anyway. Uh, yes. And we'll find out soon enough that you are right. That I am right. Exactly. Because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily coy when they pulled this off. <laughs> no, that's not the word I use. No, no, not even a little bit. Um, so, hey, the next scene, I cheered. Do you know why I cheered the next scene? Uh, no, I know, I'm trying to think. Why did you cheer? Because... Oh, wait. Oh, it's, it's a Matt scene. Because we had Matt. Matt's back. Matt. Yay, Matt. And Matt's going to get a storyline. Yeah. Oh, my God. And this one is a doozy. Good. Because Matt deserves a doozy at this point. Yeah. Well, good or bad. He just deserves the screen time. Yeah, he deserves something. I mean, something needs to happen to poor Matt. Yeah. So, oh, 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 format indeed. Yeah. So Michael is talking to another doctor, and uh, we're, we're introduced to a new doctor who is a plastic surgeon. And Michael is sort of, you know, being Michael and saying, "Can you introduce me to one of your clients who had breast implants?" And the guy is like, "Well, actually, I mostly work with children who are burn victims." <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we've set this up where Michael's a tool. And this new doctor, this plastic surgeon, is a valiant, life-saving, life-changing doctor. Or um, is he? Or is he? And so Matt runs into Michael and asks about a fundraiser. I guess that there's a black tie fundraiser the next day that I guess they're supposed to be going to. And it just seems like it was a setup for Matt to say, well, now that I'm no longer with Jeffrey... I'm not going to be, I'm going to be going by myself as well. I think that's exactly right. That was for him to drop that on the floor so it could be picked up. Right. And so the plastic surgeon guy is like, oh, is he gay? And Michael's like, yeah, is that a problem? And the guy was like, no, I just never saw anybody so comfortable and open with it before. Ah, what's going to happen, we wonder. Uh... Wonder indeed. Wonder indeed. So it was, you know, and this moment was kind of cool because I was kind of sitting there wondering, okay, is this doctor interested in that? Like, like, is there a budding romance here for Matt going on? Or is he a homophobe and he's going to try and get Matt fired? Right. You're like, oh, where is this going to go? But yeah. we find out pretty soon exactly what direction we're headed. Right. But I thought it was really kind of cool that they, that I was questioning it because usually, you know, you, you see it coming. Uh, could have gone either way. And in the 90s, more likely than not, it would have been another, like, discrimination story. Right, right. So, and, and usually with these storylines, like, like, 
we, we you kind of know as soon as they plant the seed, you know where it's going to end up. And right. I was really happy to sort of have this moment of, ooh, what is this guy going to do to upset Matt's life? Yeah. Um, and, and like, is there a connection to Kimberly? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Well, I just thought about it right now. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't think about it because it, he wasn't exactly Kimberly's type. She likes to hire the bikers. Yeah, and it would the way he was introduced with Michael wouldn't have wouldn't really have made sense. Yeah, but anyway, it was nice that they planted this seed, and we were questioning. Exactly. So moving from Michael to Jane, we're going to Mancini Designs, um, where Jane's mad that Sid put Michael on the payroll. What? Why is she even like? I don't know. Sid should have just been paying this out of her own personal checking, but I guess she doesn't have any money because it went all into the business. I have no idea. Um, and Sid's like, well, I have a meeting. I have a business meeting. And Jane's upset that Sid is leaving her out of this business meeting. And Sid's like, no, I'm going. <laughs> yes, that's basically it. That was basically it. So we do get to go to this lunch meeting where she's making a pantyhose licensing deal with these two goony guys. Yeah, it's, I found this whole thing not really confusing, but, like, so oddly convoluted, I didn't care. Yeah, I mean, and, like, you knew that they were bad guys just because they had that bad guy swagger. They had, they totally had the bad guy look. About and, them. But then, like, to drive it home, they bring up Lauren, like, oh, well, we know you worked for Lauren, so we figured you'd be up for a deal. So, you know, sort of driving home that they're not, like, on the up and up. Like, they're not above board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These are good guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, well, this is weird because this kind of sounds like money laundering. Like, what are these guys doing? So, um, but, you know, they're offering, like, what, 125. She she talks them up to 125,000 and then, and then, like, 60 cents on the dollar per pantyhose or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, some, yeah. But, so it's basically going to be, she was looking at this as a moneymaker, and she seems to get that these guys are goons, but she doesn't care. I think she's really so confident she thinks she can play them, that, like, she's still got the strings. Right, right. And so she orders Dom Perignon all around. So, right, she's like, it's on you, so Dom Perignon. Yeah, yeah. so, so scene, second scene with the champagne. First scene with the champagne was with Brooke and Billy in the bubble bath. Yeah. They were having bubbly in the bubble bath. So now we have the next scene with champagne. Well, when we get to, uh, we're going to go to the hospital. There was no champagne because they're at the gym. Yeah. It's Matt is working out. Matt's working out. He's doing his chest press. And uh, the doctor spots him. And they have a nice little conversation. Yeah. Kind of a get to know you conversation. Yeah, and we're feeling, like, safe about what might be happening to Matt now. Yeah, but then I'm still waiting for the bomb to drop, you know what I mean? Because it's Matt, you know, it's always going to drop. Once yeah, I know that feeling. Once you get comfortable with him, you know? Yeah. Anyway, but- Sid finishes her, I guess her lunch date went into dinner. I don't know, she gets back to Melrose Place and it's dark. Um, and... She's like flipping through her mail, and that's when she sees Jess, uh, Joe go into no, Jess go into Joe's apartment. Yes, yeah, now remember, she's next door to Joe upstairs, and she sees Jess go and knock on Joe's door, right? And um, while she goes home, um, Jess is inside of the apartment with Joe, and they have this you know, he's like, I'm sorry you were awkward with Jake, and I don't know what to do about it, but I have, like, he's still, like, 
going strong with the I have feelings for you thing, and she's just falling for it. Yeah. Yeah, no matter what he says, like she, it, it's just working on her like a charm. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, and I know, like, and she's so clearly apprehensive about their relationship, and then he just sort of is like, "Well, Jake's the idiot for not just being with you," and you know, and I and and I just have these feelings, and I want us to be together, and she's just falling for it, mm-hmm. and so they end up having wall sex <laughs> again, uh, time, indoors, indoor but... wall sex, um, not back alley brick wall sex and but they happen to have the wall sex against the wall that abuts sydney's apartment so she hears the whole thing right and sid miracle worker that she is recognizes those sounds for exactly what they are yeah and she looks very mad about it yes she does (laughs) she looks so angry and so you know what the next day she goes to shooters and yeah, Jake's not, not talking to her because I guess when she decided that she was going to be a bit, an entrepreneur, she just up and left Shooters without two weeks' notice. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and so and so Jake's mad and he's not talking to her and she's like, oh, no, you want to talk to me. And she lays it out about Jess and Joe. Yeah. Now, what did you think about this? Was this a good move on her part, storyline-wise? I mean, I think so, because I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, at least it kind of moved the whole thing forward. With- I would have rather I would have rather Jake noticed something on his own and confronted Joe. Well, no, but Jake's an idiot. Well, this is how he's drawn. Yes, it's true. You know what I mean? Like, Jake doesn't see the shit that's happening right in front of him. Right his face. Right you behind know? him. And how would he know that anything, like, how, I mean, I guess... Could he have walked in on them? Sure. But then I think that would have forced a confrontation with his brother that maybe they wanted to have the confrontation with Joe. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was a little bit weird, but I kind of liked that, like, Joe and Jess had wall sex on the worst wall possible. That's Yeah, I do like that. That's when you make use of Melrose Place. You actually make use of your setting, and that works. Exactly. So I was, like, kind of happy about that, because I was like, oh, look, it's wall sex, and they picked a bad wall. Yay! Um, <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> of all the walls in all the buildings, it had to happen against SIDS. Well, true. You know, so, so and she is definitely going to go tell. Um, so I kind of, I guess I was good. I was fine with it. Um you know, and and I get and really offended. It's like we've already got Sid doing so much. Do we actually need her doing this in this episode? I guess, but again, it goes back to like how protective she is of Jake and how much she doesn't like Jess. And it was like that weird. Yeah, the thing that the thing is like she's been the one from the beginning who knows that Jess is bad news, right? And, and it's she's got like this weird antenna for him, you know, that she yeah. didn't have with like the guys that she was having lunch with. True. You know what I mean? And and I don't know that he's that bad, as bad as those guys. Like, she just has this thing for him. So and it was yeah. good that that I, kind of followed wait, it. Not to give a, uh, not to spoil anything, he is as bad as those guys. Just as worse than those guys. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Well, good, good on you, Sid. Yeah. Because I don't remember this at all. It will either all come back or you'll just see it with new eyes. When did this air? Like, what month? This, this was like May of 95. It was May. Yeah. Was it early May or later May? I'm going to say early May because the finale would have been end of May and we still got a couple of weeks left. All right. So it was likely that I was in the throes of exams. Oh, true. Um, and so missed 
all of this because I didn't, again, I didn't have a TV either in college. So it was like when I would go, when I would see, watch Melrose Place, it would be like those last few episodes when I got home, you know, because right. it would, it, I, I was never able to like watch it necessarily in real time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Did it re-air over the summer? It's a good question. My, I want to say no. That, that was the show Fox didn't. That Fox didn't really do reruns like other networks did. They just put up summer programming. Because so, I, I feel like it was a summer program. Like I feel like I caught up with all of this in the summer. I mean, anything is possible. I just I don't remember it. But it's also. It is possible. I wasn't watching it in real time then. So I would have, okay. I missed it during the season. I would have missed it during the summer as well. Okay. All right. Anyway. I, have, I do have a vague memory of a friend watching 90210 reruns that summer. So it could have been. Okay. Because I'm trying to like figure out when I caught up with all of this. So anyway, but I don't remember Jess and Joe at all. I remember the building blowing up, but I don't remember yeah. this. Yeah. And then, you know, that made headlines. So yeah. that's probably why. Okay, so um, we're going to go back to, uh, where are we going? Um, oh, J so Sid drops the bomb on Jake. Who goes directly from the bar to the apartment. And confronts Joe about it. Yeah. That was it. You know, and Jake is kind of an asshole. And, you know, Joe, Joe sort of bears the burden of, of his temper because she knows that she caused it. She's like, but I'll forget that you said that, you know, because he's like, if you wanted someone to warm your bed, you know, you could have called me. Something like that. Yeah, but you know what? He's also the one that was like, ah, we're just going to have this one night thing and not be anything to each other. Yeah, again, Joe is not um, objectively wrong here, but Joe made some some hurtful choices. So Jake, who has said some stupid things, is not all, you know, his hands are not totally clean in this, but I get his, I get his response. Right. Um, so we're going to go to the, oh, Mancini Designs. So Sid goes straight from Shooters, where she's wearing her power suit again, to work. Um, the Goonie guys show up because they want to look at the place. I, I don't know. The goons show up. Jane's mad. She doesn't like the goons. She doesn't like the goons, and she doesn't like that Sid has made executive decisions without her. Right. Um, she's not thrilled. She doesn't want them to tour the place, which I didn't really understand, except that, like, maybe it was she just wanted them out. Um, and while, um, while she's throwing a temper tantrum, one of the goons asks Sid out to dinner on a date. Right. What? Where is that going? Apparently nowhere, because it went it, nowhere. It doesn't episode. actually go anywhere. Okay. So we're going to go to the hospital where the plastic surgeon sees Matt in the hallway and asks him out to dinner. I guess we know now. Yeah. He's not going to be homophobic. He is going to ask Matt out to dinner. Yay, Matt. Um, and then we're back at D&D, &D, I think. We are back in D&D. &D, and, um, and this is when Allison finds out that the prints from the printer that she needed are not going to be ready. And so, um, so she basically yells at Amanda for it. And Amanda's like, have you been drinking again? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Amanda. <laughs> oh, Amanda. No blows. Um, you know, and she's, and you know, Allison's like, well, I know that I spoke with him and said two days. And she's like, did you get it in writing? Yeah. And Allison's like, no. 
you know, so, I mean, it's a little bit of gaslighting on Alice, on no, Amanda's it's, part. It's totally gaslighting on Amanda's part. And Allison is just so stupid. She falls in like into every trap. Yeah. And, you know, and it's true. Like, Allison's a really bad boss, though. Allison's a really bad boss. And the worst part about Allison being a boss is that she'll actually take advice from Amanda when she's like in her toughest spots. Right. And, and she's, you know, and that's why, like, I can't feel bad for her with what's going on. No. And then we have another scene coming up very soon that I'm like, you are so deserving of being fired. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's just a terrible, terrible boss and she needs to go. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's all it is. Yes. And I'm cheering on Amanda at this point. I'm like, you go, can I have your job back? Because, like, all Allison does is yell at people and storm yeah. around. Yeah, she's just completely inept. Yeah, absolutely. Like, where's HR? <laughs> the the million-dollar question we keep asking. Yep. Um, so at the hospital, Michael sees Kimberly. Kimberly's back at work, and he's like, I thought you were gone. And she's like, no, I just took a, sick, I just took a week off for sick leave. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he, she, he wants her out of L.A. She says she's not leaving. She dug her heels in. Uh, yeah. And he's, uh, yeah, and he's like, you're really unwell. Yeah, and that's about it. Yeah. That was about it. You, I kind of expected a little bit more, but um, out of their confrontation the first time they see each other, but I guess not. Uh, no. We'll get that later. Yeah, I guess they're kind of biding their time for for Kimberly's, like, ultimate crazies. And then the whole scene where we've got Sid out to dinner with the Goonie guy, like, I don't know. He's asking her a lot of questions about the business and stuff, but I couldn't quite see where this was going. No, and this was what I was saying I was all confused by. I, my guess is there may have been other stuff that was written and edited out but either way like it doesn't really go anywhere and when we get the scene we need back at mancini designs with jane later so we 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 know that these guys are bad and that sid is kind of effed and and that's all we need to know yeah but her dinner with this guy like it didn't even seem like he was a bad guy like when they had when they were doing this dinner like he was sure he was asking a lot of questions but it was almost like cuz they were on a date and he didn't know what to talk about or like it didn't they didn't play him into being a bad guy it was just this weird scene that kind of was if, if this scene had aired in a season finale episode i would have thought oh they're bringing him in as a new character and he's going to be her either love interest or they're going to align or do something but there was i mean no yield from it here yeah yeah, so that was sort of a throwaway. So we're just going to go back to D and D, where uh, there Allison is leaving the office with Brooke, and um, and she basically tells Brooke she's going to fire Amanda. Right. And and Brooke is like, "Oh, go see a movie or something. You're working so hard." <laughs> and uh, and Allison is like, "Oh, and Allison asked her like." Oh, Billy's been really distant from me. Do you think he's seeing somebody? And Brooke's like, I don't know. (laughs) You should go see a movie. You need to relax more. And there's like this big ass limo and Amanda's outside of D&D. And and Allison's like, oh, come to me to see the movie. And she's like, no, I've got Brooke's like, oh, my dad's waiting. Yeah. And Allison's like, I'll say hi. And she's like, no, I'm meeting him. It was just this weird thing. So that when Brooke gets into the limo, Billy's there holding champagne. Third time. um, And Brooke basically gets in and climbs on top of him. 
yeah, the the guitar swells, and we see poor Allison all alone, oblivious on the outside of the car. And it's like, oh, girl, if you only know what's waiting for you. Yeah, she's, like, waving at the limo as it drives away. And it's just like, oh, honey. Oh, honey. Um, another throwaway scene, kind of, that we're at a... We go to the beach where Joe is cleaning up after, you know, putting away her photography equipment. And Jess randomly shows up. And yeah. I guess he's like, I heard what happened with Jake or whatever. Yeah, it's basically, yeah, it's basically like, yeah things are now bad again with Jake and I'm probably not going to be at my job much longer, but I'm being sweet to you and you're going to like me. Yeah. And that was kind of, uh, yeah. And are we back at D and D after that? Or is this a Matt scene? Uh, we are going, <laughs> or are we at Mancini, I should say. No, we're at the hospital where Matt is, Matt is having a lunch with some executive that is interrupted by Kimberly, who needs to urgently talk to him, and basically, yeah, and she's like, you know, I'm full of remorse. Forgive me, and he's yeah. like, maybe. Yeah, I mean that he even gives her the time of day. Is yeah, well, crazy. it's Matt. He's nice. Yeah, to a fault. Then we're gonna go to D and D, where Glorious Gowns is angry. Yep. So this is the big blow up scene. Yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what the last few episodes have been building toward. Finally. Um, so Allison basically is in this meeting with Glorious Counts, and for some unknown reason, the board of directors is there. Yeah. Um, and so Allison basically has to say, the campaign is fucked, um, the printer screwed up, and it's all Amanda's fault. Right. She, Amanda was like, look, if you want, you can blame it on me. And Allison had been like, well, I don't know if I trust that I should do that. And then Amanda's like, look, I'm just trying to help you out and help the account. So Amanda, Allison does do that. She does blame Amanda. But Amanda has more tricks up her sleeve. That's right. Um, she has saved the day. She went and got the campaign printed um, with a rival printer after sabotaging Allison's, um, of course, nobody knows it was sabotage, and um, and she's she essentially presents, uh, you know, pr presents that the campaign is fine. Right. So now Allison finally can step back and see everything that's been going on. Too yeah, late. and she's livid, and she starts saying, "You set me up. You did all of this. You um, had it for me back from when I left, when Billy left you for me. Blah yeah. blah blah. Like right in front of the boss, right in front of the client, right in front of Billy and Brooke, who I think are all in the room. Yeah, yeah. And so basically, the the head of the board is sort of none too happy with Allison's behavior. Understandably so. Yeah. And so Amanda saves the day, but she does it, and then she threatens to leave D&D &D and take all the clients with her. Right, right. She basically gives an ultimatum. Yeah, if, she, if they do not release Allison and put Amanda back as head as president of the company. And she's not wrong. I mean, she, again, she's not wrong. Amanda's not wrong. Allison does not belong in that job. No, and then Amanda holds all the cards. So, look, you took the job away from her. This is how she's getting it back. Right. And so, um, and so he, the board of directors is like, okay, president, please present to our client. And, um, and she turns and around and fires Allison, yeah. basically. Well, no, with the, the, the 
cleverish thing that she does is she goes, okay, Allison, I will demote you, but we don't have that open position anymore because you promoted Brooke into it, so you have to go. Yeah. And she gave her two weeks, which I was surprised yeah. about. Yeah. So you have two weeks notice. And that's when, and that's basically it. And Allison, Allison leaves and, and Brooke is like, I'll go with you. And Allison's like, no, don't do that. Right. And then the next scene is uh, Brooke and Amanda in Amanda's office popping champagne. Pop the champagne. Number yep. four. Number four. Number four. Um, so that was that big blow up. What does Brooke say? The ding dong, the witch is dead. Yeah, it was, it was weird. No, she said, um, she said, oh, the queen is dead. Long live the queen. And then Amanda's like, yes, I'm the queen. I don't understand (laughs) it. I was like, okay. I was like, this makes no sense, but okay. Poor Allison. I know, poor Allison. All right, so uh, Matt's date went well. We have that one scene where Matt's date went well. Yeah, Matt's date went well. Okay. Um, and they go back to Matt's for a night. Right. The, the, the guy basically insinuates, like, Matt, invite me to your place. And Matt goes, okay. Okay. Um, so while they're going to Matt's place, we're going to go to Mancini Designs, where <sighs> it's the middle of the night, and Jane's sitting in the dark. And um, I guess she called Sid to come right away um, to the office and Sid shows up and she's like, what the hell is going on here? And Jane's like, I don't know if I should call the cops or call you. Um, these, the goons have put um, heroin, they're smuggling heroin in with the boxes of pantyhose. Badly, I might add. They're doing it badly if Jane found it. <laughs> they're doing it very, very badly. Um, and so Sid freaks out and Jane is like, I'm going to call the cops. And Sid's like, you can't, I'm on, I'm still on probation. Remember Sid's on probation. Right. I was like, did we <laughs> drop all of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Sid's freaking out and she's like, I'll fix this Jane. I'll fix this and be the best sister ever. Like she does every single time she fucks up. Yeah. Right. So, um, while Sid's trying to fix that, we're going to go to Melrose Place and where uh, the plastic surgeon is exiting Matt's bedroom. Matt's asleep. They've clearly done the deed. Yep. Um, he goes into the living room and sits on the couch and picks up Matt's phone and proceeds to make a phone call. Yeah. And a woman answers. And she's like, sweetie, are you coming home? Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and he says that there was yeah, yeah there was a big accident and he's got to stay at the hospital yeah so mr plastic surgeon he leads a double life and poor matt just can't find the one I, <laughs> no if matt is in a relationship then there's clearly going to be some hitch and let me say this one is a big hitch this is going to be a big hitch so i don't know how long they're going to drag this out for i mean i guess a couple episodes um yeah it'll it it will culminate during the season finale and drag out just a little bit beyond that okay um so 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 that's sort of the bombshell that dropped for matt's storyline and then we're going to go to the casa malibu hotel i guess she really likes Malibu. So this is Kimberly's new home. 
And she's got her scalpel and she is dissecting Michael's eyes from every single one of his photos. Yeah, he's got all, she's got all these eight by tens of Michael, like dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And she's cutting his eyes out with yeah. a scalpel. It was actually, the, the camera at the end of that scene panned up and she's got all of these candles around on the floor, um, these like votives, I guess. And like, all I mean, it, like, I mean, like a mess of photos, like so many. And, spooky. and yeah. it was spooky. And so you're looking, you've got that bird's eye view down from the ceiling looking at it. It was actually a really, really great scene. And I really liked the way that they did that. I agree. Um, and that's how we left it. And so they definitely left it on that cliffhanger, like, ooh, this is going to be good. Like, I can't wait to watch the next one. Even though this one still, again, felt a bit like a dud. But at least we're moving along. But we did definitely move things along. Jake knows about Jess and Joe. Allison is out at D&D. Sid is, you know, in trouble again. So we've got some... Um, the, the stories have been moved further, even if it felt very clunky to get there. Right. So, um, so all in all, I would say solid B episode. I think that's fair. Maybe going ticking up towards a B plus because of the D and D thing. I would I would agree with that. Okay, cool. And there we are. We agree. We agree. Um, so that's the episode, folks. Let us know what you think on Facebook. Yes, please. Back on the block pod is the place. Um, let us know if you enjoyed the firing scene like we did. Let us know your preferred brand of champagne. Sid likes oh, Dom Perignon. Yes, yes. What do you like to see? What do you like to drink? Absolutely. You know, I don't think they do the champagne thing anymore in shows now. Like, what do they do? I think, we're, I think we're very much into wine on shows now. Yeah, like, nobody's toasting the champagne. You don't have the big pop. No, we uh, we have very, like, fancy glasses and, like, either fancy drinks or just, like, really, like, red wine that pops on screen. Yeah, or, like, Cosmos. Like, I think Sex in the City did that, right? Like, they, there was no champagne popping. There was just Cosmos being drunk. Well, we had, like, a martini era towards the late 90s and then Cosmos after that because of Sex in the City. And I think both of those have seen better days, too, in terms of their screen portrayals. Right. So. But we just don't do any more champagne. No, if you think we're wrong, let us know about that too, guys. Yeah, because I, and are you, if we are not wrong, and, and champagne really has not been a, a television staple like it used to be, are you sad about that? I kind of am. I kind of am too. Champagne is fun. I know, it is. It pops and bubbles. It, it sure does. But I can't drink it. And, but you can't what? I can't drink it. Oh. I know, I get messed up. Mmm get messed up and there's a scientific reason for that about the bubbles and the oxygen and what it does to your blood yeah yeah so yeah so tell us what you think um in the meantime we're going to hollywood boulevard yes please follow us over we have some modern day things to talk about and i think at the top you'll hear karen and doug going you know talking about a topic that uh really weighs heavily on their mind yes. so with that tease, we bid adieu, and we will see you hopefully at Hollywood Boulevard. See you over there.